Um, so we're going to move on now, guys, and we're going to think about our, our membership covenant. Uh, this is a, a service for everyone, so the kids are going to stay in today. We don't have any Sunday club. But if you want to use the space, you can, if, if you feel that would be, be useful. Um, before we start, there's just some copies of the membership covenant. If, you, if you're able to, just grab a, a physical copy. I don't know if Sam George just hand a few out. Take one and pass it on like a feel like a teacher here. Take one and pass it on. Um, <clears throat> so I'll just give you a moment to, to have a look at that. There should be enough for everyone. If not, then you might have to share, but we'll make sure that everyone's at the very least sitting beside someone who has a copy. So We'll also have electronic copies, so if that's easier for you, then we'll hand those out. <coughs> okay, anyone not got a copy? All good. Okay, guys, so similar to, to last year, uh, we're going to do things a little differently. So I'm going to be sharing in three parts this morning. So I'm going to share the first part. We're going to sing together. TJ's going to lead, and then second part, then we'll sing, and then the third part. And then after that, we're going to take the bread and the cup uh, together. So we'll, be, we'll finish about two o'clock, if that's okay. <laughs> it's just a joke. Uh, so this document is really a, a summary of who we are, um, who we strive to be, uh, and how we seek to live in light of what it is we see from God's Word. Okay? And my hope and prayer is, as we take time to look at these various points and statements and passages, my prayer is you would really connect with who we are who we strive to be, uh, what we see as most important. Uh, as you take hold of this, my hope and prayer is that as a church family, we would be on, we would be a part of this mission that God has called us to as we move forward. Now, as we think about membership covenant, it's something we do at the start of every year is renew our membership covenant. So we, we sign our membership covenant every single year. We do that because vision leaks, uh, we don't ever want to assume that we know what it means to be a member of Denison Baptist Church. It's so easy for us to recognize these truths uh, and then very easily forget them further down the line. So we come together on Sunday, one Sunday in the year, at the start of the year, we remind ourselves of what it is to be a part of this church, what it means to be a member of the church, and who it is that God has called us to be as we think about this missionary call within the East End of Glasgow. Does that make sense? So our membership covenant consists of three parts, as you'll see. Our loves, our vision, and our gospel habits. So our loves, our vision, and our gospel habits. The membership covenant, therefore, follows uh, a pattern. So it starts with what we love, the seven loves that a number of us will be familiar with. It then moves towards what it is we see, what we envision for our lives as men and women of God. It ends with how we live how we apply these truths in the regular patterns of ordinary life. 
Um, so you could see this pattern as one that begins with the heart, it moves to our mind and to our eyes, and it finishes with our hands, our feet, our mouths. From who we are, to what we think and see, to how we live, okay? Uh, I don't want this morning simply to be this kind of transfer of information. This could very easily become this thing where I'm just sharing and you're just processing lots of information. Um, what we want to do, my prayer for every single one of us this morning, is that we're deeply challenged. We're deeply challenged by what God's Word says through our membership covenant. So it, it's something that we understand, yes, but it's something that we seek to apply to our lives as we move from this place and into the rest of the week and into the rest of this year. In a similar way to Acts 2.37, Peter preached God's word. The, the crowd responded in this way. Uh, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? My hope is that we are all, including myself, we are all uh, pierced to the heart by God's word this morning. As I said, it was not just this information overload, but we are convicted and pierced and changed by God's word. Not only do we ask a question, what should we do? But we also know the answer to that, that question as we find it in the word. Um, this is what we're going to look at. Uh, and this is what we're getting at when we speak about membership. Membership is simply this. It's, a, it's agreement or it's partnership. Agreement and partnership. Agreement and partnership with God and agreement and partnership with one another. So as you think about membership, you might think of all sorts of different definitions around that, that word member. But just think of it as agreement and partnership. We're agreeing as to who we are before God and one another. And we're also partnering together in this mission that God has called us to. And the reality is the words of this membership covenant are only as important as the extent to which you treasure and choose to live by them in the power of the Holy Spirit. So membership is about agreement and partnership, agreeing and partnering together in what is most important in the Christian faith as it relates to our call in this local church. And in terms of membership, just like all of the members or all of the different parts of the body agree or partner together on the same goal or carry the same vision, for example, for myself, all of the different parts of my body agree together to keep Mark Morris alive. In the same way, when the church has biblical membership, then each part or each person of that membership is agreeing and partnering together on the same goal, the same loves, the same vision, the same habits. So we're all agreeing together on that same goal, that same focus. And it's a membership covenant. It's a membership covenant because we're bringing, we're bringing God into the equation. In fact, he's at the very heart of what we're doing uh, this morning. Covenant simply means a spiritual agreement and partnership between us and God. He's the one who transformed us. He's changed us by God's grace. Amen? And he is the one who we are agreeing and partnering with because everything we're agreeing and partnering together is found in his word. Uh, the purpose of our membership covenant perhaps is to drive the word of God deeper and deeper into our hearts so that we more and more we more and more start to reflect who we are uh, in Christ. Someone's disagreeing with the membership covenant. So uh, when this happens, when the word of God goes deeper into our lives, the difference this should be make, it, it should be something that, that is evident and explicit and obvious in our lives uh, as we understand uh, what 
this membership covenant is all about and what God's word calls us to be. So we should see in a very practical way the extent to which we're transformed by his word through this membership covenant. Uh, and there's a lot of Bible we're going to spend our time looking at this morning, but that's the way it should be. Amen? If it wasn't full of scripture, it would be a waste of time. Um, if a membership covenant is something that you positively agree with and something that you, with God's help, are looking to live out and partner in, then I would invite you today to print and sign your name on the copy um, and you can leave it at the table here this morning. We're aware of the fact you may have a question or many questions before signing it. Of course, um, you can speak with us uh, either today or at some point uh, this week or the following week. Let's just take some time to look at this uh, together and I would invite you uh, to have your Bibles open. The words are going to be up on the screen as well, but if you have your Bibles, have them open as we look at these uh, different passages. Let me just take a moment to pray uh, as we go through this. So, Father, we we pray that we would have we would have open and receptive hearts to to all that you would want to say to us uh, through what we have agreed and, and partnered together in the past. But we also recognise that today is a new day, and we are entering into a new year. And we, we strive, we long to be the people you call us to be in 2023. Um, would you guide us as we look at this covenant? And would you help us to both understand, but also to, to have faith and confidence that you'll give us the strength and the power to live in light of what we're reading together? In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, part one, as I said, part one is our loves, uh, our loves and on the covenant, you'll see what we treasure most in light of our identity in Christ as new creations, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, children of God, John 1, 12, and followers of Jesus, Matthew 16, 24. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So we're transformed. This is our identity, new creations. John 1, 12, we read, But to all who did receive him, he gave him the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Children of God. New creations, children of God. And in Matthew 16, 24, we read this. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So new creations, children of God, and followers of Christ. Hopefully that opening sentence gives us a real sense of identity of who we are in Christ if we have faith in Christ. And that's important because everything needs to start with identity. Who it is that we are and who it is that we understand ourselves to be then impacts what we do day after day. So if this is our foundation, let's have a look at our first love. Number one, we're a people who love God, love God. We are a great commandment people, amen? Mark twelve thirty. we love God because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19-21. This is all of who we are, loving God and all of what we say, do, think and decide, Psalm 42, 1-2. Love God is at the very heart of every other love. So in Mark 12, 30, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And in 1 John 4, 19-21, we read this. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For a person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. 
And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. And in Psalm 42, 1-2, we read these powerful words. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? So as a deer longs for flowing streams, that's a picture for each one of us. It's a challenge for me in my own life. But I would long for God in a way that a deer longs for flowing streams. That's really, that highlights passion and love uh, for God. My hope is we see from these scriptures what it means to love God. And not just to love God partially, but to love God wholeheartedly. So this has to be our first and our most important love. This really does have to be our starting point. And you could argue that the rest of these loves we're going to look at are in many ways just different examples of the first one to love God. So that's the first one. Let's have a look at our second love, love people. Uh, loving our neighbor means loving each and every person we come across because we are all image bearers of God, Mark 12, 31. This love is both costly and generous because Jesus and his love gave up so much and gave us so much, 1 Peter 4, 8. So Mark 12, 31, we read this. The second is love your neighbor as yourself or love your neighbor as much as you love yourself there is no other command greater than these and in first peter 4 8 we read these words above all maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins so we cannot love people without loving god and we cannot love god without loving people the two are interconnected you cannot separate one of those from the other so i hope and I do believe this is true for us. We are a people who strive to be like this, to love God, number one, and to love people. And this brings us on to our, our third love. So we're a people who, who love God, who love people. And number three, we love the gospel. We love the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and anticipated return. First Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. It's the truth of who God is and all that he has done for us applied to our sinful lives through personal repentance. <coughs> the gospel is the power of God <coughs> to salvation for all who believe, Romans 1, 16 to 17. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says in verse 1, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you which you received on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And in Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, First to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So the gospel is so important to us eh, as a church family. And our love of the gospel is, as we see from these passages, is so vital. It's only because of the gospel that we have the opportunity to live for Jesus eh, day after day. We've been saved and so we can now be a, a blessing to others in the hope that they may also be saved. As we have received the gospel, we have a tremendous opportunity to then share the gospel, to share of all that Christ has done for us. So that's the gospel. Number four, 
we love the Bible. We love the Bible. We love the Bible because we believe that it is the inerrant, infallible Word of God, absolutely essential for our lives. Psalm 119, 105. The Bible is our final authority, transforming who we are, Hebrews 4.12, so that we might serve Him with greater faithfulness and fruitfulness, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. So Psalm 119, 105, we read, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Hebrews 4.12, we also read these words. For the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of a heart. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, Paul writes this, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How important it is that we are a people who love God's word. And I was just so encouraged as we prayed for Claire this morning that so many of you shared scripture with Claire and that brought great encouragement not only to Claire but to all of us as a church family and that's indication that we do love the word of God and I just want to encourage you a number of us are on the Bible app and it feels like we're stirring each other on each and every day uh, as we dig into the word so I would just encourage you if you're a part of a Bible app keep going keep stirring each each other on in the word feeding off the word, treasuring the word, encouraging one another in the word. Uh, if you're not on the app, then do join us, be a part of this, this wee online community we have. And you know, the conversations that you have with one another in the word of God, from member to member, is the greatest antidote for each one of us when it comes to this, this issue of gossip that, that can so often exist within the life of any church. Uh, if we have conversations about the word of God, then there's no room for gossip period so you can't gossip about this person or that person if you're choosing to gossip about the word of God and the truth of the gospel so that's us finished for the first part this morning we're going to respond uh, and worship uh, and then we're going to move on to the final three loves uh, and the vision that we have uh, as a church family so all make sense guys it's always good for us to to be in God's word and then just to take some time to, to sing what it is we've, we've been talking about. So thanks TJ and Samuel for, for leading us in that time. Uh, we're going to have a look at our fifth love now. Uh, so we're a people who love the church. So the church is not a building. It's a gathering of God's people made up of many parts and a picture of Christ to the world, 1 Corinthians 12. We love the church through a passionate commitment to it. Acts 2, 42-47 and 4, 32-37. Regularly meeting together, Hebrews 10, 24-5 and using all of our gifts for God's glory, 1 Peter 4, 10. And let's just have a look at 1 Corinthians 12 and particularly verses 12-14. to 14. This is a passage we've looked at fairly recently. Uh, Paul says, For just as a body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. So many parts, one body. We all have the same Holy Spirit dwelling within us and empowering us to, to live the life that God has called us to live. 
uh, Acts 2 and 42 to 47. Luke writes this account of the early church. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in a temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. A, challenge, a challenging uh, passage for us that as we see this in Acts, as we've heard of this throughout church history and even today, God would continue to add to our number and it wouldn't just be a transfer of someone from one church to another. That's a blessing as well, but it would be salvation, folk coming to saving faith in Christ. Acts 4 and 32 to 37. Um, again, Luke says, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions uh, was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. <clears throat> and um, Hebrews 10, 24-25, the writer to the Hebrews says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Encouragement, challenge again. Let's be a people who provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of the Lord. Finally, 1 Peter 4.10, we read this. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. So there's a, a lot of passages, a lot of verses there. But how important it is that we are a people who love the church family. The church family, we love God's church both locally, but also within the city. We love God's church uh, within this nation, throughout this world. We see God's church as a tremendous gift and blessing. Tonight we have an opportunity uh, to gather together with other churches in Glasgow, Easter House Baptist and to pray together, to pray for this city of Glasgow. So I would encourage you, 7 o'clock, if you're available, come and be a part of that. There'll be a number of different churches represented. And what we're doing, we love the church, and we believe that as we gather together and pray, we can see the transformation of Glasgow for the glory of God's name. Amen. So let's be a people who increase uh, in that kind of love, a love for the church. And this brings us... Uh, on to our sixth love. So we're a people who love the mission. Uh, our mission is about local, national, and global disciple making. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. We love the mission, meaning that we are all about disciples who make disciples and churches that plant churches throughout our city, nation, and world. Isaiah 52, 7. We believe that all of this is only ever possible as we rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 8. And these are words that we use uh, a lot within the life of this church, Matthew 28, and particularly verse, uh, verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them, 
When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of age. So God is with us as we go on mission for him. Isaiah 52, 7, we read this. And this is a, a verse that's already been shared uh, this morning. How beautiful in the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, we often forget day to day to be on mission for Christ. We're so busy with so many other things. But if we have emotional investment in the mission that God has called us to, in other words, if we love the mission that God has called us to, then it becomes much more natural becomes much more spirit-led, <clears throat> and we become much more expectant of how God might use us. So we love the mission. I hope we love the mission as a church family. Finally, this brings us on to our, our final love. We love the future. We love the future. We're deeply encouraged by the truth that this life is not the end. God has prepared a place for us in eternity, a new heaven and a new earth, John 14, 1-3. We love the future because he will be with because we will be with Jesus, enjoying him forever. This compels us to be who he calls us to be today. First Peter 1, 3 to 9. And have a look at John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And then 1 Peter 1, 3-9, we read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in, in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which will perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls." And we've talked about this already uh, this morning as we thought about Margaret Dunbar, the blessing she was, but also the hope that has now become reality for her within our life. So we love the future because God has prepared this incredible place for us. And we persevere in this life. We all suffer from time to time. We have seasons of difficulty and trial, but we can have confidence that it is all going to work out, that God will one day restore us to himself and renew us. So these are the, the seven loves. The second part, uh, very quickly, is our vision. Um, as we look to Jesus, 
we look to a life characterized by these three areas. So this is a, almost a vision for our lives. Uh, Word-centered. Again, there's tremendous overlap with, with all what we've just looked at. But word-centered, the final authority of God's word at the heart of every area of our lives. So the question we always need to ask, is this biblical? Does this match up with God's word? Prayer-fueled, a daily reliance on God through biblical, faith-filled, specific prayer. There's been a number of answers to prayer this past week, which at some point we'll be able to share. But we, we've prayed specifically uh, and asked that God would step in and intervene and we've seen these answers to prayer and it's, it's something we just we pray we pray we pray until something happens until God leads us elsewhere but we know the God who responds uh, as we pray and as we seek him and through that God's glorified because we can look at whatever we face and say this was nothing to do with us this, this was God stepping in and changing us and changing our particular situation. So prayer fueled, so important. I would just encourage you again to, to connect through our prayer times, Monday to Friday and Sunday. More and more as we go through these different prayer times each and every week, they have become more precious and more powerful uh, as more and more people have connected. So do, do join us uh, for those times, prayer fueled. And then spirit filled, I keep on being filled in the spirit, earnest for the gifts, displaying the fruits. So that we would have a, an earnest, an earnest desire, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for the gifts of the Spirit. And that we would choose to actively rely upon the Spirit. And the natural overflow of that would be a display of the fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we spent time this morning looking at the loves and just there, the vision uh, of the church. As I've said already, there is a bit of overlap. That's okay. It's a really good thing that there is overlap because we need to be constantly reminded of these truths, even within the same uh, membership covenant that we're agreeing and partnering to in together. So that's the second part. We're going to respond again with some more worship and then on to part three, uh, our gospel habits. Okay. Um, the final part is our, our gospel habits. Um, we did this as a series a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I would encourage you just to listen back. It's on, on our podcast, on our website. Uh, we spent time thinking about these seven uh, gospel habits uh, a number of summers ago. Uh, and what we're thinking about as we speak about gospel habits are, in essence, what we, what we read in the first line um, within our, our membership covenant, seven practical ways that we can apply our faith in daily life and in the truth of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. Now, it's important we note this morning, uh, this list is not exhaustive, um, but we do believe as a church, these are very important, very useful pointers uh, as we think about living out the gospel uh, day to day. So the first one is this, courageous faith, Hebrews 10, uh, 19 uh, to 39. Uh, we read, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. So we don't draw back, we have faith, we step forward, we're saved. So important for us to have a life that exhibits that kind of faith. This is a faith that comes from God, and it's a faith that recognizes a life that's called to be kingdom-centered, spirit-filled, God-centered, uh, and to do that, 
potentially at times with risks, but it's all for the glory of his name. It's all for the glory of his name. So courageous faith. We step out in faith. We take risks, but we do it for God's glory. Amen. We just fly through these. That's the first one. Number two, empowered love. Galatians 5 and verses 6 to 26. Paul says in verse 6 of that passage, what matters is faith working through love. What matters is faith working through love. Another translation says, the only thing that matters is faith working itself out through love. So our faith and our love go hand in hand. Uh, To love is to have faith in the one who first loved us. And to have faith is to realize that the litmus test as to whether we are truly living lives of faith is if we can say that we are living out this great command. So that's the second one, empowered love the love that God gives us so that we can then love other people. Uh, the third gospel habit is total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. In Colossians 3, the apostle Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. You know, I recognize this is not an easy one for us to, to look at, to think about as we reflect on these gospel habits. But how important it is that we carry total forgiveness. If God has totally forgiven us, then we're called to totally forgive those who have hurt us in the past. And it is only by God's spirit, none of us can muster up this ability to forgive. It is only in his strength. So total forgiveness, number three. Number four, joyful service, Philippians 2, 1 to 18. Let me just read the first four verses of that passage. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So there's two ways we can serve as a church family. We can serve with with a kind of spirit of grumbling. We can complain about what we're doing, or we can do so with, with joy, with joyful service, we're doing that in light of the fact that Christ joyfully served each one of us. Uh, and he served each one of us by dying on the cross for our sins, by rising from the dead, by giving us new life, by showing us how it is we should live day after day. So if that's our understanding of joyful service, then we have a clear picture of how it is we should joyfully serve within the life of the church. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, number five intentional excellence Colossians 3 12 to 25 so in verses 23 to 24 Paul says whatever you do do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people knowing that you will receive a reward of an inheritance from the Lord you serve the Lord Christ so the call here is to live lives of intentional excellence so to do things to the very best of our ability And the root of that excellence is not because we want to to look good. The root of that excellence is a wholehearted love uh, towards God. So some of you won't believe me, but when I put these chairs out on a Sunday morning, 
<laughs> I do so with excellence, but I want to love God. It's not about me. It's about loving God. And there's other things you guys have issues as well. So there's other things that, <laughs> there's other things that you do. You do so with, with excellence, I hope. And I hope you do so with excellence out of a desire to, to glorify God. Okay? So just a wee confession there. Come on. <laughs> so that's, that's the fifth one. Intentional excellence. And this brings us on to our, our sixth gospel habit. Irrational generosity. Second Corinthians 8. 1 to 15. Uh, Paul speaks about the Macedonian church in this passage and he says this in verses 3 to 4. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Now when, when the New Testament speaks about giving primarily it's about a giving of our resource. What, what we have in terms of possessions uh, and money, and that's, that's often a difficult subject to touch on in our culture because we're all very private about what we have. But Paul was very open and honest as he spoke about this Macedonian church. They gave to the churches beyond their ability. So that doesn't make sense. They gave beyond their ability. Their generosity was irrational to this watching world. So... The call here in Second Corinthians throughout the New Testament is that we would also be irrationally generous with our money towards God, knowing that money is in fact the signal of where our heart is. If we want to understand where our heart is, we just have to look at our bank account and see what it is we prioritize. So that's a challenge for us as we look to be generous for the sake of the kingdom. But it should make sense when we see how generous Christ has been each one of us. Amen. Um, final gospel habit. Worshipful rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Jesus says these words, come to me all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I would encourage you just to be praying for Margaret's family uh, this th this week, praying that these words would become reality for them, uh, as they as they look to understand what has happened. They don't have faith in Christ, but we would pray that that they would understand what it means to rest in Christ, and through that they might come to faith in Christ. So these are encouraging words for us, and so important that we are a people who live out this gospel habit day to day. That we begin from that place of rest. We rest in Christ before we ever think about serving Christ. We don't rest and rest. It's so easy to rest and rest, is it not? Uh, but the promise is there before us. He will give rest and restoration to our souls and to our very lives. So one of the, the key ways that we rest in Christ is by opening up our Bibles, by singing praise songs, by having time in prayer. We see how Christ examples that for us in the Gospels. So I would encourage you to do that. We do that individually, but we also do that collectively. This is why we're here today. This, in many regards, is a worshipful rest gathering. So these are the seven gospel habits that we seek to live out as a church. Courageous faith, empowered love, total forgiveness, joyful service, intentional excellence, irrational generosity, worshipful rest. Based on all that we've looked at, the final statement of our membership covenant is this. I recognize, agree, and partner with the vision, loves, and gospel habits found within our membership covenant 
<clears throat> I seek to apply these truths as I rely on his power and as I live for his glory. Now, just as we close, there's three ways that you can respond uh, to our membership covenant this morning. And I've shared this before. Don't just assume I've heard this before. I can switch off. Let's just think about how it is we can respond uh, to this covenant. Firstly, you might disagree with what we see as most important within the life of the church. And you may be completely convinced in your disagreement. And if that's you, then in love, as I've said before, we would be very open and honest with you and say, this is not the church for you. Um, if you fundamentally disagree with who we are and who we strive to be, then it's going to be really difficult for you. It's going to be really awkward for you to be a part of this church. And, and if that is you, then do speak with me after the service. I would love to sit down and just to chat and to hear what you have to say. And hopefully, by God's grace, we can come to some kind of common ground. Secondly, uh, you may agree with who we are, but maybe you have questions about something of what we've looked at. Um, as elders, if you have any questions, then we would love to hear those. So do speak with us again if you have any questions. If, if you agree, but there's maybe just something you're not too sure about. And I can't emphasize enough, there's no such thing as a silly question or a wrong question. The onus is on you to come forward and for your own peace of mind to ask these questions that you have. And finally, you may read and hear all that's been shared this morning and you might fully agree with our membership covenant. And if that's you, then commit to who we are as a church <coughs> by adding your name to the end of that covenant. This covenant is incomplete on your bit of paper because your name can be added to that with the date. And by putting your name there, you're saying, I'm a part of this. Um, I want to partner with Denison Baptist Church and the mission they've been called to uh, in this coming year. These words in these passages will be a reflection of my life in 2023 and I will be accountable to God and the church family to live in that way. This is what we're doing. And I hope, I really do hope we don't see this as some kind of legalistic document. It's really just an agreement together about what it is we're doing, that we all carry the same expectations as a church. So Denison Baptist Church, this is who we are as a church. This is what we see uh, as most important. Uh, this is who we strive to be. My hope and prayer is that you do become a member of Denison Baptist Church in 2023. And remember, if you signed last year, do sign again this year. Let me be clear this morning, <coughs> as I've said already, it's more than a piece of paper. It's an outward commitment to an inward commitment that you've already made. Um, if you've ever signed for a mortgage agreement, purchase of a car, even an Amazon parcel, then this shouldn't be a problem for you. If you're signing for Amazon parcels, then signing this document shouldn't be a problem. Let me just reiterate, if anyone has any questions about any of what we've talked about, then do speak with me after the service. Um, as we respond in worship this morning, we also have this opportunity to, to come to the table. Kind of past, half past, it's fine. We'll just keep going. Just focus, guys. <laughs> uh, so let's just come to this table. Um, we pray and we say together, for those of us who are in Christ, my hope and prayer is that, that we do so. We come to this table and we say, thank you, Jesus. Th thank you for, for loving me so much. Uh, that you died for me uh, on the cross. <clears throat> Thank you that because of your death, 
I have life. Because of your sacrifice, I have life. Thank you, Lord, that you died for your bride, the church. And that I have this opportunity to be a part of this worshipping community in the east end of Glasgow that's called Denison Baptist Church. What a gift that is. Do not take that for granted. There are so many places in the world where people cannot have this kind of local expression of church because of persecution. So let's make the most of the gift that God has given to us. Let's come to this table this morning. Let's remember and rejoice in our hearts what these elements symbolize, what this meal points towards, and what this results for our lives. This free gift of salvation, the free gift of his church, the free gift of his call to go and make disciples of all peoples. It was on the night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to take this bread, we're going to drink this cup together as a family, and we're going to do it as we would normally do it in the first Sunday of the month. So we're going to do it collectively eh, as one family. So let's just take a moment to, to prayerfully reflect on all that God is doing. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. You went to Calvary, and there you died for me. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. You rose up from the grave to me new life you gave. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. And you're coming back again. We rejoice in that. And we with you shall reign. Thank you, Lord, for loving me.